Hi, I'm Bjorn Roberts. I'm Jess Fishlock. This is Owen Singer-Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Holmes Delivery Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here as ever with Ruth. How are you, Ruth? Hello. Doing well. What about you? Yes, very good. Thank you. I, sp- I suppose uh, you can't can't complain with six points in the bag and a mild hangover on a Monday morning. It's uh, it's not too bad. I think the six, the six points in the bag is about the only thing that's uh, saved the quality of the play, hasn't it? The, the actual games were, were pretty dire, but uh, can't argue with six points. Yeah, I mean, I, I did see a few before we get into the matches themselves properly, but I, I did see a lot of uh, people on, uh, well, not a lot, sorry, I saw some people on uh, Twitter and, and Facebook saying our gigs needs to go and this isn't good enough. And I, I feel like reminding them this is the best it's ever been. <laughs> so uh, I don't I don't really know. I think those people need to give their heads a wobble. But anyway, um, before we get uh, on that particular path, we're going to talk about the Finland and Bulgaria games, both 1-0 wins. Both games, I think it's safe to say, will hardly go down in, in Welsh footballing folklore. Not just because the matches themselves, I guess, but no fans there and and very uh, very weird performances and, and and atmospheres and circumstances. But uh, we will try and talk our way through them and try and make them sound more entertaining than perhaps they were. Um, we'll start obviously, Ruth, with the Finland game. Um, just of of an overall context, especially given their win, um, given their miss. Sorry, their spectacular miss. Um, do you think we were lucky to win the game? I'm not sure I'd say lucky. I think perhaps in the general run of play, we, we had the, the better of it. Um, although, as you say, they, they could have grabbed a win through that, that ricochet off the post. But um, I don't think we were undeserving of the win. But it's one of those games which historically may have petered out to a nil-nil draw or, as you said, even them nicking it 1-0. So um, I I think the fact that it was a tight game until relatively late in in the play, um, you know, echoes this idea that it could it could have swung either way, really. I mean, yeah, I, it's hard to disagree. I, I would the only thing I would say is that I I think that is like you've pointed out a classic game that Wales would have lost uh, not a, you know not a million years ago. So the fact that we not only didn't lose but then went on to be the one who kind of inflicted the the hammer blow late on in the game kind of says a lot about the team at the minute and you know it wasn't a classic performance I thought you know there's more, more lots we can kind of talk about I think and how much uh, how entertaining that conversation will be is is a different matter but I think there is a lot to talk about I think um, we started the game strongly I thought the first 15-20 minutes we looked good Um Kiefer Moore had a, a goal unfairly disallowed, in my opinion, and we'll come to that in a sec. But I think we kind of created chances. The ball kind of bobbled up and hit Bale in the chest. He couldn't kind of quite get himself around it to to tap it home. And there was a few half chances that fell away. And then after that, I felt like for the rest of the first half, we kind of drifted through the game and let them come back into the game and let them have a bit more of the ball. And uh, I, I did think that was a shame. But, and, and that's something that we obviously felt that we needed to address in the Bulgaria game. But just starting at Kiefer Moore there, I, I, did you think it was a, a disallowed goal? Was it a fair decision? I think if that had been a premiership game, it, it would have been a goal. But it's clear from both this game and the Bulgaria game, actually, that there's a tendency to penalise attackers, I think, a little bit more than perhaps we're used to seeing in, in most football games um, within the within the framework of, of these internationals. Um, and so on, on that basis, I, I can I can see why, why it was disallowed. But it was just a bit, uh, it's frustrating when there seems to be this inconsistency of, of, of what what is and isn't worth whistling. I mean, I, I agree. It was in a Premier League game. I, I don't think it gets disallowed. I think it's just another referee, referee in the exact same game. I don't think it gets disallowed. He does kind of tangle with him, but it's as much um, 
the the Finnish guys grappling that creates the situation mm-hmm. in the first place as much as the other way around. So that kind of baffled me. The, the the main thing that baffled me, and I and I, if anyone wants to kind of watch it back, the thing that I found most odd was at the time that the grapple, so to speak, was happening. The referee wasn't looking; he was kind of looking at where the ball was being played from rather than the grapple. So when you see the replay, the referee didn't see what happened. Straight after the goal, the lino doesn't give the foul either. So I'm actually a bit intrigued as to where it kind of comes from because a, a few seconds later, the referee the uh, referee blows his whistle and the lino waves his flag. So I'm not sure if maybe the, the, the extra official, the fourth official, whatever they're called these days, are, I don't know whether they have spotted something and, and they are the ones who have given it. I'm not entirely sure, but I did think it was quite a bizarre circumstance. Um, it's something I wanted to mention to you, actually. I, I thought Kiefer Moore played reasonably well. However, with that said, I also think he needs to be a bit more self-aware in these international games because I felt like second half especially, and he did it a lot against Bulgaria as well, kind of giving away a lot of, I would say, niggly, needless fouls. And sometimes it's because of kind of soft refereeing. But do you think there's an argument that he needs to kind of wise up a little bit to, to avoid these kind of situations? Or am I just kind of uh, being negative because there's bugger all else to talk about. <laughs> I, I can see your point. I, th- I think that there is a sort of evolution um, with international play where it's becoming just a bit more and more saccharine, really. And I, and I think there may be a demand on a player like more that, you know, he's got to keep his elbows in. He's got to, you know, not backing quite so much, uh, which is a pity because it's a it's a mainstay of his play. But it doesn't achieve anything if we just keep giving away free kicks with the frequency, particularly the frequency that was happening in the Bulgaria game. So I think it's maybe just a bit of of being play savvy. You know, quickly learn what the an individual referee will tolerate and not tolerate, and just and just you know turn your dial a little bit in one one direction or the other, depending on what the tolerance level is. I think that's a great way to describe it. Just having that kind of uh, footballing understanding, I guess, to an extent to to be that kind of self-aware. And I wouldn't even say self-control, just have an understanding of the situation um, and kind of manage it in a slightly better way. Because I do think it was it was certainly frustrating me as a, as a watcher, uh, as a watcher, as a viewer. Um, and I think it was something that was clearly frustrating him as well. So um, I do think he needs to watch that. I mean, we'll come more on to that in the Bulgaria game, of course. But... Um, I did think that when you kind of take away the performance and the result and and, and kind of everything else and just kind of look at it in the situation that we find ourselves in, I think you can't say anything other than it was a fantastic win. I mean, Finland were in good form. They had, I think I heard on on the commentary that they'd only lost one in 14 at home or something like that. So they were on a high after qualifying for their first ever Euros. I mean, whilst they're not, Brazil they are still a kind of strong solid side and I think when you look in the context of Bale only being able to play half a game Brooks missing Ramsey missing Allen missing a host of our strongest centre-backs missing um, people making their debut um, I think in the context of that I think it was a fantastic victory yeah can't can't but agree I think Finland's record is very good in in the uh, Euro qualifying, for example, their only home defeat was to was to Italy. When you add in just the kind of angst and unsettledness that must exist for players at the minute, you know, having to go from home to club to country, international travel. Um, I mean, I I just get anxious bumping into people in the supermarket. So, you know, you put people in an environment where they're having to deal with that. I can I can see why, pe- why people, you know, you're just not in a, a good, comfortable place. Um, you add in the weirdness of, of nerve spectators, um, all the protocols that people must be following at the minute. And then you throw in so many inexperienced players, you, you lose some of our really genuinely very key players and you come away with a 1-0 win in a game that 
as you were saying earlier, we, you know, historically we would have just blown that in the last seven or eight minutes and it, you know, the reverse happened. And I, I think that's, that's nothing but a positive. You mentioned obviously some inexperienced players getting, getting some game time there. Um, the big surprise, so to speak on the team sheet was uh, Dylan Levitt starting the game. I mean, other than that, I don't really think there were many surprises. You and I kind of chatted through a few alternatives here and there, but Hennessy and goal, Roberts right back. Um, I guess maybe Ampadu playing as a as a centre back with Lockyer was maybe a bit of a talking point, and Ben Davis left back. Um, I think Andy uh, Andy Morell was always gonna Joe Morell. Uh, Joe Morell, sorry, I did that last time. And uh, Joe Morell <laughs> is uh, was always going to start in that midfield role, and it was always about who was going to be alongside him. Um, Moore was always going to start up front. Bale was always going to start. James was always going to start, and then maybe it was the the number 10 spot, which obviously Johnny Williams uh, filled to start the game that was the was the other kind of interesting decision. But ultimately, I think the, the main chat around the game revolved around uh, Dylan Levitt. Um, how do you think, well, before you do, do you think he should have been picked? Um, and, uh, and how do you think he got on? I think he and Morel did fine, but I think there was relatively little demand on them really there was a few points in the game where the, where the finished midfield had the upper hand but but not for huge swaths of the game because Finland was playing something more close to a 4-4-2 we effectively had three in midfield if you count Johnny didn't we and they and they had two central midfielders so I, I think the circumstances helped Levitt in that sense Joe Morrell is in increasingly impressing me I mean I thought he was brilliant um in the autumn of of last year but he just quietly does everything you would ask him to do in a in a sort of Joe Allen way not at Joe Allen's standard but in that quietly understated you barely notice he's on the field but somehow he's doing everything kind of way (laughs) um and I think that obviously made it easy for for Levitt um I, I I think actually, if Giggs was going to give him a cap, ironically, I can see how Finland's setup and knowing that you might have a little bit more space and time in midfield, perhaps this was the time to throw him in. I'm surprised we did, um, but equally, I think it's it's clear that Giggs is desperate to find some squad depth and it's clearly developing um he, i think his his rationale over the last 18 months has been very centered on let's create let's create a, a, a genuine squad as opposed to an 11 um and, and i've got some other thoughts on that that we'll come to perhaps a bit later but he, on that basis i don't think there was any harm in putting him in, perhaps. Um, I think where it surprised me in some respects more was if you went into the game knowing that Bale could only give you a half, you immediately know that you're a bit more restricted on your substitutes. So then if things hadn't worked with Levitt uh, playing where he was, you've kind of reduced your opportunities to address it. Um, and I, perhaps that was the bit that concerned me more than his actual play and his actual role in the team. I think that's a very good observation, actually. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, I think, for me, the interesting thing was that it was definitely a gamble. And the fact that he played the full 90 meant, I think, anyway, that Giggs had decided, come what may, he was going to play the full 90. Um, I also thought that uh, an interesting point that you made there about the squad depth, I think... It's funny that because I felt that's what he was doing. We've we've often mentioned that our lack of midfielders is is a concern in the central area beyond Joe Allen in terms of people who've got genuine quality. Obviously, Ampadu as well, but we've kind of off we've struggled in that area of late. And he is obviously desperate to build up some squad depth there. So I think it's a funny one because I think. In a way, I think it was a great decision because he got in 90 minutes. That would have done the lad's confidence no end of good. Um, we won the game. You, you can't really complain. With that said, he did two or three times give the ball away, which could have led to something for them. And he got lucky. He didn't redeem himself. Someone else did. Or or the Bulgarians um, fin- finished, cocked, cocked it up. And I do think he got lucky in that aspect. Um, 
think if you if we draw that game or worse the, the lad who hits the post kind of shins it in instead i think everyone is saying what a dreadful decision so i i do think is the context of the victory kind of adds a shine to it perhaps that was it, it that doesn't deserve it i mean ultimately for me I, I don't think he should have picked him i get what he was trying to do and he's got away with it but i did dylan levitt gain anything from that all right he's gained some confidence but performance wise i thought he was very very average and i don't put any blame on his shoulders for that i thought he looked completely lost in the game um i've seen some statistics that you know he completed 84 percent of his passes but i mean if I was always passing sideways or backwards, I think I'd probably have a decent decent crack at that number myself. But um, again, not his fault, I don't think. But I do think he was completely lost in the game. And I wonder of the longer term value of it, um, whether he will kind of get more caps soon or whether he'll just get those one or two and who knows what's going to happen next. And I also worry that we're going to have a, perhaps a Ben Woodburn type situation on our hands where... He's come into the team, you know, a bit as expected of him, and he's just disappeared at club level. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do, Dylan Levitt, moving forward, obviously, but whether he'll go on loan, and I'm sure he will, and get some experience somewhere. But you're looking at Manchester United's midfield at the minute. I mean, he's not even close to breaking into that side. So I do wonder whether it was maybe 12 months too soon. Is he going to go to the Euros? Probably not. I don't know. It was just... I'm rambling now, but I thought it was just a lot of unclear thinking but with all of those things said I said pre-match that Giggs has won the right to kind of choose what he wants and and make these gambles and every time he's made a gamble so far it really has paid off so I you know I I guess I can't complain too much but I, I personally I do think it was too soon. Do you think there might have been any thoughts regarding playing him 90 minutes with us may help him get a loan, which may help us going forward? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I, I, I'm, perhaps perhaps that, you know, he's done his pals at Man United a favour and kind of um, given him some game time to put him in the shop window to an extent. Was he going to thrive enough to, to get that? Maybe just get his name out there. I, I don't really know. Perhaps I, I could see that as a logical suggestion, but... For me, if you were going to give anyone a debut in that in those circumstances, it would have made a lot more sense to put Cabango in, in my opinion, and put uh, Ampadu into the middle of midfield. I, I don't. I've said before that I don't think Cabango is a finished article yet, but he's definitely further down the line in his football development um, than Levitt is. So I do. I, I, I did question and do question that decision because if it had gone wrong, that could equally have destroyed Dylan Levitt's confidence. So, but again, like I say, I guess. Giggs has kind of earned the right to have a bit of a gamble there. Um, go on. I think ultimately it did leave you with a very, very inexperienced group of players that that managed to get through a difficult away game. So I, I, I'm with you. I think it, I think the context becomes important um, in the sense that we're we're trying to explain what at the face of it it was a weird and still feels a relatively weird decision but actually you, it's difficult to be negative about it as a weird decision when we won the game one nil yeah um i mean the you know of the of the 14 so there were 14 players involved in the game in one way or another and across the 14 two-thirds of the caps belong to hennessy bale and davies and the uh, the other eleven players have an average of less than ten caps each, and so to come away from a, an away win with an away win like that, when you've put out that sort of team, I think we've, we've just got to see, in the, see it in the positive. Oh yeah, I mean contextually, like I, I I tweeted out after the match, it was a it was a massive win, it was a great win. I'm absolutely not complaining. I just. Um... Yeah, I just I just hope that it's uh, you know that these sort of gambles keep kind of paying off. I mean, Giggs did this a little bit in the Nations League, kind of blooded people, and it has worked out. So I I, I guess we can't. I guess, and well, I'm certainly not complaining. Um, and I, I guess he's using these games as um, relative friendlies, and they've and it's and again it's worked out. So I'm definitely not in a in a situation to complain. Um, to to move forward and look at some more positives. Obviously, the win is everything, really, but. I think there's three players I really wanted to, is to draw on, um, which were 
Dan James, Ben Davies and Ethan Ampadu. I thought James looked a threat, um, especially when we got him the ball at the right times where he could run at people and he looked to, he looked to be enjoying himself. He was kind of physical. He was involved in a, all of our good play, really, and obviously got the assist for the goal. I thought Ben Davis uh, kind of complimented him really well on the left um, and was very solid, reliable, kind of used the ball very well. But I thought Ethan Ampadu was just phenomenal at the back. I thought he was a man of the match by a distance. He kind of managed everything at the back. He brought the ball forward when he could. He played some great passes. He seemed completely assured. Um, and I thought he was superb. Um, I'll talk about James and, and Davies first because I probably this time last year, maybe a little earlier, we, we spoke quite a lot about how they didn't seem to kind of have that act together here down the, the left-hand side. And it's that's clearly clicked and they were they were working in tandem very well and they they both look better players when when they're in sync um i i'm with you in in terms of kind of james's demeanor he um he is one of those players where a little bit of a a little bit of an ego boost through a good couple of games will have will have done him the world of of good um ampadu i was very impressed with because i think on occasion when he's played in central defensive midfield he's sometimes kind of dropped back a little bit and um almost played a little bit of a sweeper role and 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 tried to get almost sort of too involved with the defense and not and not sometimes push quite so forward from a midfield point of view and so one of my questions as we went into the game is is he going to be disciplined enough to you know be a good central defender or is he going to be kind of like pushing up too much and I thought he measured that very well and made those choices very well I would say that I'm increasingly impressed with Lockyer I, th- I think he's just so dependable there in the middle he's barely put a foot wrong in what is now four games in a row that we've won a, f- a fifth um, a fifth that we drew I think um He's actually making a, a decent case for some, re, you know, some real pressure on on some of the central uh, central defenders that we we probably thought are ahead of him. Um, I I've, I think he's done very, done himself very well in these two games. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was calm, composed, physical, managed their their main threat very very well. So um, I agree. I thought he was I thought he was excellent. Um, Obviously, I think we need to mention the winning goal. Great work, as you mentioned, from Davies and uh, and uh, James down the left hand side. Really perfect ball, really put in the put it into space for James. Space he could run into, really kind of stretch his legs and get by his man. And a perfect ball, perfectly weighted, perfectly positioned, well timed run from Moore, who got in front of his defender very very well. Um, I mean, he did his best to miss it, but um, it, it kind of crept over the line, and that's all that matters, really. It was a, it was a very well worked goal, even if it wasn't, you know, particularly spectacular. But um, I thought it was, you know, topped off what was a, a very, very um, gritty performance. I think is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that kind of messy away win we wouldn't have gained a few years ago. We keep coming back back to that idea. Um, we have to mention Nico Williams. Um, I think putting him in on the on the right hand side in that game. I think both of you and I were messaging at the time that this just um, seemed to be putting him on to get a cap for the sake of getting a cap. And yet he, I thought he did very well playing out of position there. He was right on Moore's shoulder for that for that goal. If you know somehow it had gone under Moore's foot, it might have been. Nico tapping tapping it in on on that occasion, um, and I I think um, obviously he had more impact in the Bulgaria game, and perhaps we'll we'll talk about that a bit more. But uh, I I was initially quite cynical. I will I will be honest about him coming on in that position because I just thought, look, you're just ticking a box here, where, um, and we've got a game we need to win. Um, but actually, I thought the young lad did really well. I actually don't think he did that well. <laughs> I think I think he looked a bit lost as well. But I think he's kind of 
his pace and verve, and he's obviously a very good pass to the ball, didn't harm. I don't think he made any mm. kind of positive impact per se. And in fact, I don't think any of the subs did, uh, particularly when they in came that game. On. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In that game, I thought Wilson spent a lot of time kind of rolling around on the floor without really do, doing much. Obviously, Cabango only came on for the last moment, so I, I don't, you know, it's harsh to judge him. But yeah, I didn't really think the subs as well. And again, there's no criticism. I think it's a def- difficult game to come into, especially for Nico. Um, but I mean, ultimately, his uh, his reward was to come elsewhere. Um, just a, a final thought on the Finland game before we do move on to Bulgaria. Obviously, it wasn't a, a pleasing spectacle. Um I do have one really big reservation, which is that at times we don't seem to have a tactical way to press an advantage in a game. We seem to be just doing the stuff that I feel like we should have been doing the whole time rather than kind of making a switch which makes a difference or having a having a different formational setup or, or something like that. And that really does worry me, I guess. The logic, the argument, the counter-argument would be that we are winning and the chipping away eventually has its effect. But you'd like to think that the the luck, not like to think, you'd imagine that the luck will run out at some point. And yes, we were missing a lot of players, but it did concern me a little bit that even when, like, for example, Nico came on, he was just on in someone else's position on the right wing rather than um, a, t- a tactical uh, switch which didn't really change our approach to the game. And that happened in the Bulgaria game uh, as well. But I, I, I don't know if you maybe think I'm being a bit harsh there or whether you can see the merit in what I'm saying. Uh, yes and no. I, I think when you have so many, um, I don't want to say second string because that sounds, that sounds cruel because they, they've just won two games but when you're missing so many of what might be your starters and you're in you're deep into your squad I can see the merits in having a style of play that everybody gets very comfortable with very familiar with and people can slot into roles and deliver so so on that on that grounds I, I think there's merit in having being a bit dogmatic in some respects. I think where the problem comes is in the tougher games where you've got uh, more decent opposition and you just have to be a bit more wily and you have to be able to think on your feet a bit more and you can't just follow a format. And I think that's where we're going to get start, start getting caught out if we don't have a way, as you say, to, to switch the tempo better or reposition or have someone floating a bit more or you know whatever it is that we want to do as our as our plan b i do i do think that you could see a little bit of difference when hal came on in the bulgaria game and obviously i'm getting a little ahead um but i i think there's kind of two diff, almost two different issues there's there's wanting to have a structural squad where you know you've got people that can slot into roles and deliver and they're they're um comfortable enough with what's happening that they can do it and then there's the what happens when that's not working question yeah and that's that's my question i guess there really yeah. and maybe this isn't the right time to to try it out given how many players were missing and what was the value but um i say all of those things i think i said it i tweeted it after the match contextually that was a massive win it was a fantastic win um we keep our unbeaten run going we've won four on the bounce for the first time for a long time um, we did that whilst missing a load of players, whilst blooding some some players and giving more of our younger players um, experience. So, you know, I can live with a bad performance in that one against a reasonably, you know, a pretty decent side. Um, and I think we kind of held firm very well. And uh, I, th- I think all in, it was a, whilst it may not have been an entertaining performance, it was certainly a fantastic performance in, in the context of, uh, of the situation. Um, yeah, I think I think that's important because it's only actually our fourth away win under Giggs, and the others have been um, Azerbaijan and China and the the Republic of Ireland. So, an Ireland were they just were not you know they were not at the races at that period uh, when we had those two good wins against them. So, it's it's a very good fourth away win um, and is a kind of almost step up in, in the quality of away win. 
Oh yeah, no no argument there. Um, to move on to the Bulgaria game, um, there's not huge amounts to talk about really because the first half was one of the dullest halves of football I've <laughs> seen in a long time, and I say that having watched the game on Thursday. Um, I do think that Matt Smith. I think he this demonstrates our point a little bit that Matt Smith was in there to add give himself game time and um, get himself, um, you know, experience for, for international football. I don't think he deserved his, his slot really per se, because I think he hadn't played much. Um, his loan spell at QPR didn't go well. Um, and Volks has been playing well, um, has a, had a real impact for Cardiff City. So um, I did think that Volks was a little bit lucky there. But other than that, again, I thought Brooks, um, I think he was always going to come on and... Uh, always going to start sorry if he could and once he rejoined the squad that was that was the obvious decision for him to play at number 10 um but the big point I want to make and I don't want to labor it but I was really concerned with how deep we were as a midfield and I think the back four and the and the midfield two were kind of on top of each other a little bit and Ampadu driving out of the back was one of our kind of only attacking sparks which is ridiculous really but there's far too much sideways passing in the wrong part of the pitch I get that if you want to be you know in their half moving them from side to side trying to create spaces I get the tactical logic of that but doing it in our half where there's no real pressure and all you're going to do you know the the worst case scenario is there you make a mistake and someone's straight in on goal that that really did frustrate me um and I'm glad that that kind of seemed to be addressed a little bit in the second half um but I mean, uh, what, apart from that, it was dull. Have you um, have you got any thoughts on the first half? I mean, it was slow, ponderous. There were points at the game where it was basically walking pace, training pitch football game, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, the, the irony is we have such pace and 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 width and an ability to run at people, and we certainly in the first half we weren't. Um, we weren't using it, you know. Um, when the radio commentators get to the point where they're talking about respective costs of toll roads, you know that there's not mu- you know that there's not much happening on the pitch. <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, I was texting you about the uh, beer selection on offer at the pub, um, rather than uh, anything else that was going on. There's some lovely New England IPAs actually, but. Um, yeah, it was it was just it was just a nothing first half. The one thing um, that I, I will say about Brooks, obviously, I know he was tired and uh, because of his well, maybe not tired, but like not match sharp. But I did think his lack of movement was a was a concern. But I think that was also just the mood of of the entire team was kind of that lackadaisical um, sort of approach, and it was just it was just a very very disappointing game of football. Um, just one quick mention, uh, if we can here, for Gareth Bale. Um, I would, and I'm not, it's not entirely his fault, but I think that was one of the worst halves of football I've seen him play in a Wales shirt. Um, it's very, very clear that the situation at Madrid is affecting him. The interview that he did pre-game with Sky Sports was actually quite difficult to watch, I think, Um I, and I don't know what the answer is, and I'm, I'm loath to tell someone that they need to take a pay cut or whatever, because I obviously don't know enough about the situation. But um, I do think it's very, very clear to me that if, if we are going to see the best of Gareth Bale and if he's going to get the best out of himself, I don't know how it happens and I don't know whose arm needs to be twisted, but he absolutely must leave Real Madrid because we are getting to the unfortunate point where I'm not sure if this continues and his form kind of continues in the same vein, I'm not sure we can continue to kind of justify picking him. I would agree with that. I mean, I, th- I think his starting place is under pressure, which is a ludicrous thing to say when you yeah. think about it, but he was just that, that first half against Bulgaria in particular, um, he just wasn't there and and it's difficult to single him out because i don't i don't think there really was much of anybody that was engaged in the game in that first half um i mean i think it's a positive he paid the 90 minutes um hopefully that's a you know a demonstration i don't think that ironically i don't think there is a question about his fitness per se he went he went back after the the lockdown to Madrid and it was it was very public that he was the the fittest of the guys going back but there is a kind of 
game speed that he's he's missing by not not being involved in in competitive games with his club. Admittedly, out of everybody in the squad, it sounds like he's had the least playtime. They haven't even gone back at Madrid yet. Um, so I think perhaps, I mean, I'm hoping that this is as bad as it's going to get. Um, but equally, he, he, something's got to happen because it's, we saw in the Croatia and, and Hungary games in uh, last summer that when his head's, his heart and his head aren't in the same place, then it's difficult for him to play good football. And my fear is that that's becoming a bit of a norm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't disagree with anything you've said there. I think he he needs to get himself sorted, and I don't know how that happens because it's obviously a very very complicated situation. But I don't think we're doing it. It's doing anyone any favors here. But then again, I suppose you're walking away from six hundred grand a week. I bet you know. I bet that's not an easy thing to do either. So it is swings and roundabouts. But um, I, I you know, I and I want to be clear. I don't want Gareth Bale to be dropped. I'm not calling for that by any stretch of the imagination I want the exact opposite to happen I want him to I want this to get worked out for him I want him to start playing football again the way he, we know he can um but you know I've, I've mentioned this before I, I did a blog when he was you know do, you know had the face mask over his eyes and all that sort of thing and I said his biggest thing for Wales is that he needs to be informed and when he's not he misses good chances and he's not himself and he needs that sort of thing Wayne Hennessy very briefly doesn't need that very clearly he's capable of not playing Premier League football or any kind of competitive football for a long time and still performing for Wales Gareth Bale does need that and there was a moment in the second half where the ball kind of gets cut back to him um, and I, th- I can't decide if he's trying to like have a swing at it first time and kind of have a a cross come shot uh, or or what but he kind of swings at it and the ball just kind of loops up in the air he kind of flicks it over someone and ends up laying it off and it was you know he you could just see he's just so out of sorts and it's such a shame and I really hope this gets sorted because you know he's Wales is the greatest ever player as far as I'm concerned and and I really really hope that he can he can get back to his best for for next summer um just to look a little bit more of the game, I mean, we're not going to talk much more about the first half. I think we're fair to say it was crap, um, and it, you know, it doesn't really work. It wasn't really worthy of much comment. I think, I think, sixty-two minutes in, there was one shot on target, and that was kind of that was Brooks's kind of volley after the after the the, the Bulgarian defender kind of backheaded it to him, um, mm-hmm. and I mean that. That says it all that 60, 62 minutes or so into the match, one shot on one shot on target has come. So um, very, very disappointing. I, before we get into the sort of nuances of, of the second half, I was surprised that there were no changes at half time. I, I wonder whether Giggs took it more as a the proverbial kick up the backside for the 11 that were on the team. You know, you've got 10 minutes to show me that, you know, there's something about you. Um I don't. I don't know. That was interesting. I thought. Yeah, I think that was actually that was actually something I was going to mention the the ten minutes. Otherwise, you're off type uh, mm-hmm. type situation because I do think that the the first person on, um, who I think was Johnny Williams. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, for Brooks, I think that did come after uh, around about that time. Actually, about fifteen minutes into the second half, so I do think that was um, something that you're right that I think he he wanted a reaction out of them. And, and to be fair, we did. I think we we pressed higher up the pitch. We used the ball better. The passing was much quicker. Um, I thought Matt Smith started to you know he didn't play well. I don't think, but I, I think he kind of started to be able to do a few better things. Um, and I think. That, that that really started to show and as a consequence the tempo picked up and Bulgaria dropped deeper and deeper and that's the way we should have gone at them at the start not letting them have the opportunity to roll the ball around and um, as we got going into the second half obviously uh, when Johnny comes on uh, Hal obviously comes on as well um, and I think that Hal coming on was the pivotal point I thought Hal and Johnny 
and obviously Nico Williams gets the goal. But Hal and Johnny Williams, I thought, really changed the game when they came on. Hal's hold-up play was absolutely brilliant. He ran the channels really, really well. He stretched the defence. He took a centre-half into a place, places you don't want to go. Johnny's movement was fantastic. He, was, he looked like he was a pain. He was never still. Um, and I think that kind of dynamism raised the levels of everyone around them. And I think that, that really changed the game, Hal, Hal in particular for me. I would agree with that. I've, you know, Hal's play, um, I think the key thing was pull, was pulling their D out of, out of position and just making them stop and think a little bit um, and providing a bit more space. And then and then Johnny Williams had opportunities to, to run into that as well. I, for that particular defensive sort of, um, the, almost like a defensive stagnation that the Bulgarians had, we needed to get much more dynamic, and I think the co- the, the combination of those two, and Nico as well. In fairness, um, when he came on, I think there was a bit more running down that down that side as well. Um, but as you were saying, basically the combination of Hal and, and Johnny Williams just um, just harrying a bit more, really. Yeah, I agree. So I've got I got my my I read my notes the wrong way around there. The sixty one minute mark was right, but it was Hal who came on for for Kiefer Moore at that point. Um, then Nico Williams came on after at sixty five minutes, and then Johnny came on at seventy five. So I, uh, apologies there. That was uh, my bad. I read my notes the wrong way. But yeah, I I, I think everyone's movement and harrying really made a big, big difference. I think it would be remiss of me not to point out that when um, he substituted. Uh, Connor Roberts for Nico Williams that I was just like that's a strange decision I don't really see the value blah 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 blah. so needless to say he does pop up and score the winner um, <laughs> the uh, the goal itself I know we're, we're probably moving along quite quickly there but the goal itself was was brilliantly well worked um, it, we started off actually the move started with a throw in I think on the right hand side every Wales player apart from uh, Hennessy and Bale touched the ball in the build up to it um, and of course, I mean, the, the little interplay between Hal and Johnny and Ben Davis and, and, and Dan James all out on that left-hand corner there, uh, the way the ball was spread side to side, that's where you want to see those passes being played. And it was absolutely brilliant football. And then, of course, Johnny's put the ball into the box. And I mean, what a, what a brilliant way to, to mark your home debut with a, I mean, fantastic header, great kind of running from his blind spot and Popped up just at the right time, headed it into the ground. Fantastic finish, great, great ball. Um, just a, a brilliant way to end what was a, a much, much better second half. Yeah, and that's your right back heading that ball, which was uh, yeah. pleasing to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just going back to what you were saying about the interchange of play uh, between those four players on the left, I think we were suffering towards the end of the half. I think particularly with the Bulgarians doubling up on our wide players. Yeah, and I think that's another another reason why bringing Johnny and Hal and just having some more energy more centrally was really important. And, and the play that you were describing that led up to um, Johnny's cross is just a brilliant example of the interpe- interplay between energy in the middle and speed speed on the outside and, and getting both of those to work to your to your work to your advantage um great cross um i thought it was a particularly good cross and in and obviously nico did very well taking that and i, I like the downwards header it makes it very difficult for the for the goalkeeper um got a feel for the for the lad you know gets his cap there's no one there gets his goal yeah There's I did no think one there. can actually. you imagine what the canton stand would have been doing uh, what was it 94th minute yeah, with that header um so you know you got a feel for them in that regard but no well taken goal um i don't know if you've managed to see it back but there was a bloke in the canton stand on his own stood amongst the flags and as the ball has kind of been crossed and gone in he has gone absolutely mental but <laughs> on his own in the canton stand if you haven't seen that so he's, so he's doing limbs for about Eight thousand, yeah, basically, yeah, and he was proper, just bouncing around on the spot. It was brilliant. If you haven't seen that, I suggest going and watching the goal back and uh, and, and having a having a keeping your eye out for the guy at the back in the stand, which was hilarious. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the one uncomfortable thing that I guess we, I know you in particular, won't want to talk about here, but I feel is a is a salient point is uh, 
I think we may have seen Chris Gunter play his last meaningful games for Wales. I, I'm, I'm not sure really at the moment that he a has a chance of going to the Euros and bar an injury, obviously, but. I think maybe even I'm not sure he has a chance to kind of play in any meaningful games for Wales again. Um, I hate I hate to agree, but I, I, I fear you might be right. Um, I you know Robertson and Nika Williams are ahead of him at the minute, especially right at the minute, um, because of because of what's happening with uh, with Guns himself. Um, yeah, and I mean, at this rate, Hennessy's going to be the one that gets to 100 caps. Um, yeah, just want to give him a big crutch and you know, <laughs> tell him we love him. And <laughs> um, it, yes, It's difficult to justify his inclusion in a 23 at the minute. You're not going to take three right backs. I mean, you also got to bear in mind that he's been released by Reading, so he also doesn't yeah. have a club at the minute. I mean, it's not, a, it's not looking good, is it? No. That's what I was saying about his circumstances at the minute. I mean, he's not even in a position to put pressure on anybody at the minute. No, and I, and I think that um, yeah, it's it's a shame. It's a shame, really. But I think one thing you will say for for Giggs is Wales side, and and I think this does bode very very well for us. Is that and you know it hasn't worked out for Gunter, but he is really picking people in the most part for their current form. I don't think there's anyone. Uh, you know, apart from the main names, your Bales, Alan, Ramsey and Hennessy probably, who are in the undroppable category. Um, I think anyone could start along the back four. You could probably pick a selection of uh, of starters. Maybe Ben Davis has probably got his spot nailed on, but I think that every, everyone has has something to play for and I think that is really raising the bar of our of our international football standard not just in the games we play, but obviously in training sessions, which has its own knock-on effect as well. And whilst I obviously feel desperately sorry for Gunter, I, I do think for the good of Welsh football, it's it's been the right decision. Oh, I can't I can't disagree with that. It's it's you know it's, it's clearly uh, you want to take the players who are playing better at the moment, and you you can't argue with that. Um, the there is some real. Um, I suppose tension, but I don't want to make that sound negative. I think there's some real tension about squads now in the sense that you you have to earn your place. You're not you're not going to be picked just because you're, you know, I don't know, a, a Welsh-born player who's in the championship above and above. You, that isn't an automatic way into a squad now. I mean, I agree. I mean, you look at the fact that we've even had to have a conversation or been able, sorry, to have a conversation about squad selection and who's missed out. I mean, that literally has never happened before. Um, yeah. Uh, for that, well, for a long time, at least anyway. But I think that is really, really telling. And I think that, that it can only be good for Welsh football. And I think, you know, as, we, as we're wrapping up here, I guess, contextually, these were two massive wins. Um, they've boosted our chances of getting um getting in the better pots for the world cup I, I still think it's a bit of a long shot from what i've read online but i think there's a chance that can happen now um especially as, as switzerland lost or i think it was switzerland who lost to germany um so i mean these sorts of things make a big big difference and and hopefully um this will kind of we will continue to to keep chalking up these wins because there's one final thing for me on this is in the Nations League last time we we treated it as a bit of a as friendlies as a bit of a free shot for gigs. We lost a couple of games we probably shouldn't have lost. We got what we kind of deserved from the from the from the setup, um, but it served its purpose in that we got younger players involved. And, and this time it is still serving its purpose in getting the younger players involved. Except this time we're winning the games as well, and you know. We're looking for progression. We're looking to make the next step. We're looking to get to a World Cup. And I think if that's going to happen, we need to keep making these baby steps. And, and I think that we have we are showing signs of doing that. Uh, and if if we can take the next step after maybe getting promoted to the to the top tier of, of the Nations League, um, and then after that, in turn, that helps us qualify for a World Cup, then, you know, we really are making 
beyond baby steps and we're making strides really and I think that is really really important and you know I've said it before and I'll say it again I, I don't think anyone in their right mind can question that Ryan Giggs is doing a, a fantastic job at the minute and I, I don't agree with everything every decision he's making but everything seems to be working out for him and you know you'd rather be a lucky manager than a good manager sometimes and I think he's got a little bit of both and I just think it's uh, a real testament that we've gone to you know had two of two very difficult games um and we've come out on top in both of them whilst missing or some of our best players and whilst some of our other players are bang out of form. So I think he deserves um, a lot of credit. Yep, got to agree. I mean, I think we were both in in the sceptics pile to start with. I, I won't pretend that we were uh, jumping with joy when he was appointed, uh, but he's won me over and... Uh, I, th- I think the the approach is dangerous at times, but it's it's you know it's proving lucrative and we're we're getting results. So uh, you can't argue with that. Exactly, and uh, you know we're far from the finished article. I'm sure Giggs himself would say the same. I think we've definitely got room for improvement, but the fact that we're winning games and can improve is is a far cry from uh, you know uh, ten or so years ago where we had a lot of room to improve and we weren't winning games. So I think. You know, I, I, we're far from the finished article, but I think what he's achieved deserves a lot of credit, I think. Um, I think that is uh, me trying to wrap up. I don't think I have anything else to add to you. Nope. Oh, I think we're good there. Excellent news. Well, I'll go and have my tea. Um, I think uh, we will have a new blog out on Sunday on the football Wales Football Fans uh, site so keep an eye out for that I haven't decided what I'm going to do it on yet but I'm sure it'll be great um, and then further down the line looking forward to the games against England uh, Bulgaria again and the Republic of Ireland we will be doing more preview pods um, so please keep your eyes and ears open for that in the near future uh, thank you very much for listening great to be talking football again with you Ruth yep Oh, you sounded really enthusiastic. Cheers! Sorry. I, I quite, I quite enjoyed that. We've obviously had a shit fifty minutes. So, Sadia, uh, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get someone else on the pod next time. Aww. <laughs> yeah, there you are. So, be more enthusiastic in the future. Uh, anyway, um, thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we look forward to hosting another podcast for you again very, very soon. Come on, the boys. See you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.